The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code SGP when you sign up to turn $4 into $256. If the college basketball underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset, that's promo code SGP to turn just $4 into $256 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're also brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is your home for the info you need to make yourself a smarter, better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, enter promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, enter promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube, but for sports betting. So make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's right. Find us at sportsgamblingpodcast.com flash B T V. We're also brought to you by better edge. Better edge operates like a stock exchange for the sports world. So pick the teams you like and have someone else buy the other side to sign up at betteredge.com. Enter promo code SGP for a $10 play. That's betteredge.com. B E T T O R edge.com promo code SGP. Welcome, everyone, to a Monday morning edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. The NBA is on its all-star break, so we figured it'd be a great time to uh, get a little bit more of an evergreen episode today, check in with a lot of what has been going on in the first half of the season, look ahead, and I'm joined for that by Munaf. Munaf, how you doing, bro? Uh, weak all-star game last night. No, you didn't catch it, but uh, how you yeah. doing? I'm doing well, man. This is uh exciting to uh, talk about the first half. I know I've been pumping up this podcast for a little bit with uh, on the last pod and then with you guys on the Slack channel. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that first half and kind of proving here the second half of, of the NBA, man. Yeah, I'm excited. And I think, I think definitely diving into do some of the research and prep for this podcast. I, I think there were some surprises, some stuff to learn. Um, so always helpful to, uh, you know, pull those stats up, pull, pull the records up and kind of just figure out exactly where we are as we head into the second half. So let's jump right into it. And we have uh, eight or nine topics here. We're going to get into, hopefully all of them will be, uh, you know, instructive and fun to listen to. So we're going to start off with a, one of our more fun topics. So what was your favorite bet or your favorite betting moment or your favorite futures play that you're sitting on. That's uh, kind of given you the most enjoyment uh, so far in the first half of the season. I'll turn that over to you. They've been a ton of great games, ton of great uh, storylines. So no shortage here. Yeah. So I, I think the first one uh, for me is obviously the Phoenix suns right off the bat, their win total. I uh, believe I got it in at 38 and a half. So right now they're sitting at the all-star break here. Number two in the West at 24 and 11. So that win total is looking pretty good for me. And, and um, this team is fun to watch too, man. I mean, if you take a look with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, 
DeAndre Aiden, some of the shooters that they have with uh, Cam Johnson and uh, Jay Crowder. So this has been a fun team to watch and you got to give Monty Williams a lot of credit here. So uh, they're winning games. My win total bet is looking good for them so far. And um, uh, hopefully that's going to catch you real soon for me. And hopefully they're knock on wood, no injuries. I know Devin Booker had a little sprained knee, but I think it shouldn't be anything significant. So uh, he'll be ready to go here the second half of the season. Yeah, that, that's a cool, and that's a great place to start. Cause I did want to say, I think one thing I've, I've definitely learned this year, I guess not learned, but focus more on this year is it's really fun way to, uh, you know, I think we talk about ways to build the fan experience in the NBA and I think betting on win totals. Now we have this expansion of gambling coming along. You know, you have your favorite team. You probably watch them every night, but I know for you, and I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that. Like if there's a Suns game on, right. I know you're invested in every single game yeah. that they play because you want to work towards that win total. So it can be a really fun way to, you know, increase the motivation to watch the games and to lock yeah. in every night. So I'll piggyback right off that. And very, very similar for me, it's the Utah jazz. Um, yeah. Over 42 and a half wins. They are at, uh, they have 27 right now. So I need them to go uh, 16 and 20 the rest of the year, cash that. So that would be, I don't want to jinx it because that would be, that would be a monumental collapse. But, you know, it could be it, anything could happen out here. But with the Jazz, that win total has been really fun to follow. Obviously, a little bit of controversy for them as the season came to a halt here at the All Star break, but 25 and 11 against the spread this year. I mean, that's just so, good. And they have a, a individually, and this is so impressive an 11 straight cover streak and an eight games cover streak uh, ripped off both of those at one point during this season. So it's, it's been, it's been pretty fun to uh, have that again, the post hype sleeper. I think the jazz were, were, were the perfect definition of that. So that has been fun. Any, any games that stuck out to you as you, as you look back at the first half of the season? No, I mean, nothing really stuck out. I mean, we watch a lot of NBA, so I don't think there's, I mean, nothing in particular that's sticking out for me right now, but I, I think a couple other ones that I did want to mention was, um, you know, I love betting overs. You know, people say that betting unders is too short for too short for life. Right. So um, I, I think the two teams that I really enjoyed taking the over on almost blindly every, every night was one, the new Orleans Pelicans who this season um, are the best over team. And I know we'll get to some of the trends later, but 26 and 10 so far here in the first half of the season to the over. But the interesting part is when I dug into this a little more, the first, their first five games all went under. And since then they've gone 26 and five to the, the over cashing at around 84%. So that, that, that's a really profitable angle that I was, I've, I've been betting here in the first half of the season. And, and the last one I wanted to mention was um, the Chicago bulls as an away team in the underdog role. I believe they were 10 and two um, in that, in that, uh, in that span here in the first half of the, uh, of the season. So they've been another fun team to watch with Zach Levine and Kobe white and, and the guys that they have there. And um, you got to give um, Billy Donovan credit there for kind of, they got off to a slow start, but they've kind of turned it around and they're right there in the playoff race also. So that's another team that um, that I, I've been uh, betting on it and they've been a fun team to watch also. Yeah. There's, there's been so many fun teams to watch this year. I think I've just been so impressed with coming off the bubble. I think a lot of people thought this regular season would be kind of a dud 
yeah. you know, with no fans and with the shortened season, I think it's been completely the opposite. The quality of the product on the floor has been so good this year. It's been really, really fun to watch. So we are going to get to all those trends later. I obviously a couple of those there and definitely agree with you on the new Orleans over angle. Let's move into the first aspect kind of our report card angle here. What are the teams that have impressed you the most? Um, I have about seven teams written down here. So do you want to throw out your first one and we can kind of talk about each one in turn? Yeah, I think the one you already mentioned was the Utah jazz, right? Number one in the West right now. I, I, I'm, I won for sure was not going to predict that them being the one seat here at the all-star break sitting at 27 and nine, two and a half games above the number two seed, the Phoenix sun. So I think those two teams right off the bat for me, I mean, if you had told me those two teams were going to be one and two during the all-star break, I would have probably laughed at you. And then three and four were probably going to be the two teams that I thought would be one and two, which is the, uh, the two LA teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. So uh, off the bat jazz and the Suns, And then um, I really wanted to shout out the Portland trailblazers. Uh, I, I think I've been really impressed with this team, especially with, their second best player being down and, and uh, their third best, sorry, their third best player being down also. And they're so uh, number five in the West sitting at 21 and 14 and Damian Lillard has just led this team uh, with those two guys. So I think dude, that's one team that I really wanted to shout out. And I've been impressed with the most here um, in the first half of the season. Yeah, I think, I think definitely the jazz, obviously you can't dispute it. I think, they have slowed down a little bit here coming. I think the all-star break came at a good time for them. I, th- I think there's, you know, m- many ways to look at that, but I, I do think they needed kind of a break. They were riding so high again. They had eight straight covers now three and four ATS since that eight game winning streak yeah. um, with the, with, with the blazers, they've been, you know, 19 and 16 against the spread. So they've been above average. They've won a lot of close games. And, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I, I am, very, very uh, curious to see how the rest of the season goes for the Blazers. Obviously have not heard really any injury updates either way on CJ or Nurk. So, you know, is no news is that good news, is that bad news. It's very hard to say, but obviously Dame has yeah. been putting them on, on their, on his back. Yeah. And like you mentioned, right. When are they going to get those two guys back? I mean, I think uh, this is another team that it's great that the all-star break kind of came for them and it kind of gave Damian Lillard that break that he, I think he really needed. And some of these other guys that have been, you know, playing heavy minutes, Gary Trent Jr. is another guy that have been playing, uh, playing a lot of minutes, you know, Carmelo has been uh, playing well for them. So I, I think uh, this all-star break for a lot of the teams came at a, uh, at a good break. So, uh, and then the last team I had on my list was the, uh, well, actually I had two more teams. So one, I'll go with the OKC Thunder. Uh, I thought completely that this team was going to be in the bottom of the barrel with the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Detroit Pistons and the Orlando magic, but yeah, there's still six games under 500, but I think SGA has been really playing well for this team. You know, they've been a cash cow, at least on the road for us, 13 and six against the spread. Um, so uh, I know they have a lot of draft assets and, and, and room uh, cap room, for them to kind of build off of for the future. But I think at least for this season, uh, I've been impressed by the coaching job uh, that they've done there. And then the, with the play of uh, SGA. Yeah, hundred percent that definitely got a shout out this OKC team. It's funny. There, there are so many things we want to talk about today. I mean, I think they have their point differential has continued to fall. I think they're down to about minus five and a half, but it's just crazy. I mean, they're 
they're like still kind of in the hunt for the play in right now at this point. And they're not, they're not dead for rights. I think it's very interesting what philosophy they're going to take as an organization going forward here. Do they want to just tank it out and yeah. be like, yeah, we're having fun, but let's get as good a pick as possible. Mm-hmm. I believe they do get the Rockets pick if that's not in the top four as well, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely a lot of angles here for OKC, but super impressive. 15 and 21, 19 and 16 against the spread right now. So just really impressive. And SGA's missed some time. Al Horford's missed games. Um, so it's not like they've even been like fully healthy. And those two guys have been leading them. They've gotten a bunch of different contributions. So that is, I, I also had Phoenix on my list. I also had Utah. I also had OKC. Um, I want to talk about one team that I feel like is very, very sneaky right now. That's the Denver nuggets. Um, no one really talking about this team. Obviously they're in the sixth spot in the West. Mm-hmm. And I think what's, what's impressive to me, obviously four straight wins coming into the all-star break all on the road. So that's exciting with injury yeah. problems too. They're quietly fourth in net rating in the league here. Um, you know, they've been a team in the past that has gotten lucky on their win loss record and they've exceeded their net rating this year. It's the opposite where they're fourth in net rating, but the wins haven't been there. Um, you know, this is a team that was a plus 2.2 last year in the regular season. They're a plus five of over plus five this year, more than doubling their net rating on the season. So, you know, they're, they're a little bit under the radar with the jazz and Suns kind of taking up the non LA noise out West. But I think they're playoff tested Nikola Jokic looking like potentially the best offensive player in the NBA. Um, they're 14th on defense too. So just, they've made a lot of improvements and I think they're a team that could come out of the all-star break kind of as a similar, like a post hype sleeper and no one really looking at them, no national conversation on them. And I've been impressed with their ability to kind of weather the storm. They've had Millsap out. They've had Jamichael green out. Um, they've had guards, they've had COVID issues. So um, just want to shout out that, 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 that team right there is uh been impressive the way they, they came out the bubble. Um, they, they had every reason to be, be fatigued. You know, they're kind of like the Miami heat of the West and they're still above 500. They're still in the playoff picture. So been impressed with, with, with how they've handled everything in, in Denver this year. Yeah. I think with Denver um, it, it's, it's finding that consistency for them going into the second half of the season, because we saw early on here, like in mid January, they won five in a row. And then after that, they lost four out of five and then they won three in a row. And then they lost, you know, four out of six. And now they're on a four game winning streak. So I think kind of finding that consistency, I think that's going to come with what you just mentioned is getting these guys that are injured back into the lineup in the rotation with Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap and Gary Harris, guys that, that have been out and kind of helping your two superstars on your team with Jamal Murray, who's been uh, playing really well recently. And Jokic, like you mentioned, he's just been the best offensive player, I think, uh, so far this season. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a team coming into the going into the second half of the season that can fly under the radar and potentially make some noise here in the Western Conference. Yeah, I agree. And and that's a great point about their inconsistency. I mean, you look at, look at their win and loss profile, like their their last three losses yeah. are to the Wizards, the Hawks and the Wizards. And in that time, they've yeah. beaten the Bucks outright on the road with injury problems, beating the Lakers, uh, beating the Jazz recently. So, you know, they they have a high level they can get to. They also have a low floor. Um, they kind of are that type of team that plays to the level of their competition. So maybe something to factor into uh, handicapping going forward. A couple other ones I wanted to shout out. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, another team that I feel like kind of under the radar that Jaron Jackson has not played yet this season. Um, yeah. And that's been interesting. It's been interesting. And 
a, another injury with no noise coming out of Memphis on that one. So that is something yeah. to definitely monitor. Um, and you, you, you usually, you want to see a guy getting like every two weeks updating. Okay. He's returning to the floor, returning to shoot around, et cetera. He hasn't suited up yet this year. And yet this team has a positive point differential and it's 500. Um, and I don't even know what to say or like how to, what to make of how they get to this point, 16 and 16 right there. I expect them to be in the play in game, but I mean, the, the top five minute guys on this team is John Morant and then Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, and Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain. I mean, this is a herky dirk roster, and they've found a way to just kind of piece it together. They survived the COVID outbreak. Um, so I've just been really impressed. I mean, another team that is very far from the national conversation right now, but quietly uh, just doing their thing and without their second best player, who was supposed to be kind of the foundation of this team, was Jaron's ability to shoot would space things mm-hmm. out for Ja and open up that whole team. And they haven't had that, but they've been okay without. Yeah. And just starting to come on right last, last two games, he's had 35 points. Um, they split those two, but like you said, they're, they're starting to win games and, and missing a piece like uh triple J has been, has been big for them, but they've found a way to respond. You take a look at their record. Yeah. 16 and 21. But I think some of the good teams in our league, are defined by how well they do on the road, right? Memphis nine and five on the road. And that's really interesting to me. So um, hopefully they get him back here real soon. And we would love to see John Morant in the playoffs um, along with some of the young stars. So, I mean, I think there'll be a team that is going to be competing for that play in tournament um, for that eight seed. So it's going to be interesting to see which of the teams is going to be left out. But uh, I think that the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be a team to look out for in the second half. And this is a team that it's kind of blue collar, right? They're not going to tank. They're going to go out and play hard every single night uh, led by Morant. So uh, this is another one of those teams that is fun to watch. It has a lot of talented young guys on this team. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think I'm I'm just uh, you know I I'm always surprised by the fact that they're kind of hanging in there, especially without Triple J. So yeah, Memphis and Denver were two I wanted to shout it out. Brooklyn, um, I mean obviously their roster kind of speaks for itself, but I've just been impressed by kind of their swagger and their competitiveness and the way those guys play together. I think they've gotten a lot of buy-in. I mean, remember we're not that far removed from Kyrie going AWOL, and yeah. It was like, okay, what is what's going on? Are they even going to have Kyrie the rest of the season? And Steve Nash, does he know how to handle this? And since they got James Harden, they've just been a a machine, starting to play defense, starting to hit the glass, starting to be a tough. You know, they they they. I like that they can now they can really argue on the floor, but they they are like have a brotherhood going. You know, so I, I've been impressed by that team. I, I want to see that that got those guys succeed. Um, 57% on twos for the nets. That is by far the best in the NBA. I mean, they just X's and O's wise, they really do get basically a really good shot every time down the floor with the amount of talent on this team. So yeah. I want to shout out Brooklyn. They've, they've been impressed with kind of their character. And then you mentioned them already, the bulls, you know, just kind of another team that's just hanging around 500 and everyone thinks they're like a bad team, but they're, you know, living up to that average label, which can be a good place to be. And then, the Charlotte Hornets were another team that I wanted to shout out along those lines. There's another team that's been grinding out to, you know, around 500 and 
you look at the national perception of these teams that they're bottom dwellers and that's just not the case right now so let's take a quick break here and then we will get back with some teams that have disappointed us well it's that time of year again conference tournaments are tipping off bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope is a long run DraftKings sportsbook that's america's top rated sportsbook app is putting new customers in the center of the action so bet $4 on an underdog and win $256 if they win. Yes, it's really that simple. That's bet $4 on an underdog and select college basketball games. And if they win, you collect $256. The bank is open, guys. Pick one of many select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning $256. And all it takes is a $4 bet. There's no way to... There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SGP when you sign up Turn $4 into $256. The underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code SGP to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so we're going to move into teams that have been a disappointment to start the year. Uh, Munaf, I will let you get going. I think there's there's potentially, I do expect that we will agree on at least one team here. Yeah, I think the one team that I have written down was the Toronto Raptors. Um, you, we, we go back to when they won the championship. Obviously, they lost Kawhi Leonard to uh, the Clippers, but this is a team that, that has that talent, right? They have Kyle Lowry. They have Pascal Siakam. They have OGN Nobi. They have Fred Van Vliet. The only thing that they were kind of missing was that big man. And I don't think Aaron Baines is what they thought he would be. Right. And, and I, I think Baines is not a starter in this league. I know early on in the season, they were starting him and now he's starting to come off the bench for them. But um, it's just going to be interesting to see where, um, where, where, what the Raptors do going into the second half of the season, uh, is Kyle Lowry still going to be on this team? Um, you know, are they going to make a trade for a big man that they desperately need? So it'll be interesting to see what they, what they've been or what they're going to do. And I, I'm not sure if, well, I know we had discussed this earlier, um, that if being in Tampa is kind of affecting this team, um, not playing in Toronto because of the COVID situation that Canada didn't want them to play there or whatever the case was. But um, is that a factor? And I think that a lack of crowd is getting is what kind of affected Toronto because they really thrive off of their, uh, their fans when they're playing at home. So I I think um, a lack of fans and maybe the COVID situation has been a little disappointing for them, but that's, that's one team that I had written down. What did you think about the Raptors? 
no, I, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm obviously, I'm sitting on a big Raptors uh, over 41 and a half win total ticket. Yeah. You sent over a, a depressing uh, tweet to me, which, which said <laughs> what, what record each team needs to go to, to go over their win total. So I, I need the Raptors to go 25 and 11 after the all-star break. Doesn't seem likely, you know, I actually thought they were kind of turning the corner a little bit. Remember they started off, I think what, two and eight, then they crawled mm-hmm. back to 500 and immediately got hit with COVID. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's tough to feel bad because apparently their coaches were violating the uh, mask rules, which led to that outbreak. So, you know, that's, that that's part of winning this year in the NBA, right. Is, is making sure you abide by all that to stay healthy. But you know, w- with the Raptors, I think what's really interesting is now you have this Kyle Lowry trade specter coming, hanging over them. Yeah. Right. So they, mm-hmm. they might not even be competing to, you know, chase the playoffs down the stretch here. They might be trying to make a few moves and and push the can down the road. Obviously, Van Vliet, Siakam and Ananobi seems like kind of the next core for them. Um, but you know, I think with the Raptors and, and I, I'll loop in here, another team that the team that I, I was going to actually was going to bring up was the Boston Celtics. Um, yeah. You know, the Celtics and, and two teams that are very similar, right? Slightly, slightly positive point differential, you know, hanging in, you know, the Celtics are coming in at a 12th on offense, 16th on defense. So not, not terrible. Uh, you know, you, what the yeah. Celtics are 11, the net rating here, but what do you make of the Celtics team? I mean, I feel like they were supposed to continue rising up and remember they were favored in the Eastern conference finals last year against the heat and, and, and weren't able to cash in that series. Now you have Kemba's a year older, you lose Gordon Hayward, you have Marcus smart injured. Um, and obviously they, they did rip off four straight wins coming into the all-star break. So that was nice. They were two games under 500 prior to, but what do you make of the Celtics team? And do you think that they can factor in to make any noise in the Eastern conference playoffs? Yeah. So I think they started the season without Kemba Walker. I think that number one was a blow to them, not having your starting point guard. Right. And then he didn't come back till about what January or mid January there. And it still took him a couple games to kind of get his get up to game speed and, and kind of get his uh, legs under him. So I think that was one thing, and I, but I think the biggest thing for this team has been the loss of, of uh, Marcus smart. Uh, the guy that kind of takes on that point guard role um, in the second unit. Um, even when Kimball was out, he was starting and playing point guard and he's also your defensive anchor, right? He takes on uh, defending the best player on the opposing team. So I think that has been, I mean, that's two of your main guys on this team. So when it's, when you don't have those guys and, and, and they're injured and kind of trying to come back from injury. And when it takes a couple games for them to kind of get their legs under them, it, it gets tough. And you take a look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown outside of those two guys. What does this team really have that is going to propel them for this rest of the season? Hopefully they can get Marcus smart back here soon. And, and Kemba can find some consistency for this team. But right now when Kemba is not playing on the second night of a back-to-back or they're resting him to kind of injure or, or manage that injury, who outside of those two guys are going to step up for the Boston Celtics. And I think that's the biggest question mark for this team right now and has been throughout the season. And we've seen the results. And I, I think the biggest thing for the Celtics has been their record on the road, right? Seven and 12 on the road this season. I think that's kind of been the, um, the determining factor for this team is number one injuries and their, and their performance on the road. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with with everything you said there. I mean, losing Marcus Smart hurt. Obviously, I mean, he's kind of like a I think a linchpin to kind of what they how they want to play, what they want to do. So losing him is yeah. tough. But on the other hand, I mean, Jalen Brown has has had a great year. I think he's kind of made mm-hmm. a mini leap. And Jason Tatum, he's you know he's averaging twenty five seven and and five, but it oddly feels like as a duo, they don't really look as viable to win a championship as they did maybe last season. I mean, I, this roster and they've had so many opportunities to cash in and get a third star. I guess they, they did it with Kemba, but you know, now this roster seems kind of barren, uh, you know, outside those two guys. So, you know, while I do think that they will be around it, it, you know, in the playoff picture, obviously they're, they're, they're still in the four spot and two games over, but you know, just doesn't really seem like their championship equity is, is anything, uh, you know, to, to, to take seriously, you know, in terms of the three teams that I think we expect to factor in behind Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, who would you take right now out of Miami, Toronto, and Boston, uh, to make the most noise in the playoffs? I think it's gotta be Miami, right? Yep. Um, coming off of winning the Eastern conference last year, for the Miami Heat, it was just about getting their guys healthy, right? Tyler Hero was out. Uh, Jimmy Butler has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Goran Dragic made significant time for this team. So um, I, I think when when they get all their guys healthy uh, and playing here in the second half of the season, I think the Miami Heat, I would take as the um, four, seed, four seed behind the top three that you just mentioned. And they have the, they have the, the, the team to make that run again, right? Jimmy Butler, Bam, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, uh, Duncan Robinson. So they have the pieces um, to to c- compete for that four seed. They probably may even try to sneak into up to a three seed. So it's just for this team is it's coming together, staying healthy, and they have the coach uh, to get this thing done for them, and they have the experience. They did it last season, so they this is a team that has uh, that chip on their shoulder. That hey. People are saying that last year was a fluke because it was in the bubble, but with the talent that this team has, and who knows, they may make a trade here at the trade deadline and get another superstar or another star on this team to play us alongside Bam and Jimmy Butler. So it'll be interesting to see uh, once we get closer to the trade deadline, but I think Miami Heat is going to be that team that's going to compete for the fourth seed in my eyes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Last 10 games for the Heat, seven and three. Uh, t- sixth in defense and seventh in net rating overall. So they're definitely a team that I think could get hot. And and obviously Jimmy Butler's been in, in and out of the lineup when he's played, he's yeah. looked like an all NBA caliber player and kind of been that guy that he was in the bubble. Um, any other teams that you want to bring up here in terms of being a disappointment? Uh, first disappointment, I, I, I kind of want to sh- talk about the Rockets here a little bit just because they're my hometown team, but um, I mean, they've been a team that's been battling injuries too, right? They lost their second best player, if not maybe their best player in Christian Wood for a significant time here with an ankle injury. They dealt with the James Harden drama at the beginning of the season. Um, Victor Oladipo has been in and out of the lineup. So I think this has been one of the teams that has been just uh, bit by the injury bug. And I kind of feel bad for... Um, Steven Silas. And it doesn't seem like this is something that he signed up for because when he took the job, he thought that he was going to be coaching James Harden and Russell Westbrook and competing in the Western conference. But 
you know, I think this has been one of the teams that has been disappointing for me as a fan and as a better, you know, 11 and 23 on the season, they're five and 10 at home, six and 13 on the road. So, um, you know, at this point, at least as a fan, you would want to think that, Hey, quote unquote, they should tank and try to get the best pick possible and then try to trade away Victor Oladipo and, and, uh, PJ Tucker to kind of get a return for them. Yeah. I mean, I think with the Rockets, it's, it's tough because I, I think I was excited about them at first. Once they got rid of James, they had that big win in San Antonio, Jay Sean Tate, mm-hmm. PJ Tucker and all that. But this roster is optimized around James Harden, right? And and it still is. And Victor Oladipo and John wall, as much as I'd like to see them have success coming off their injuries, they're just not the same as, as James in terms of putting pressure on the rim and kind of opening things up for others. Their, their offense has been such a slog as we were, as we've been recording, I, I, I saw a report from uh, hoop central on Twitter that the, the warriors are interested in Victor Oladipo um, as potentially, as potentially a name. So, you know, do you expect the rockets to, to just kind of uh, like, I know we're going to talk about teams. We want to fade the rest of the season. Yeah. You know, I, I think Steven Silas still seems to be bought into pushing these guys. And, and as much as these losses have hurt, they're, they don't seem to be like collapsing on themselves. Obviously Christian Wood will come back and he was having an all-star caliber season prior to his injury. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you see as, as sort of the, the plan for the second half of the season for the Rockets? What, what will be a best case scenario? I think you got to trade away the assets that you have right now. Victor Oladipo, they offered Victor Oladipo a two-year deal, but this he's looking for a long-term deal. And as a fan, uh, I don't think we want Victor Oladipo in the long-term plans because he's so injury prone and, and he's been in and out of the lineup. And I know I, I'm, I'm guessing I'll be very shocked if Victor Oladipo and PJ Tucker are both on this roster post uh, trade deadline, because there are teams that can use a guy like PJ Tucker in their lineup um, on a contending team. You know, we've seen reports of teams that are interested in him. So um, I think at this point it's, it's getting rid of salary. It's trying to get as many picks as possible um, with the, with the assets that you do have on this team right now. And it's almost, you know, you, you got to start rebuilding um, whether that's around John wall. It, obviously it will be around Christian wood because I think he is going to end up being a max player the way that he was playing in the first half of the season before he got injured. Um, but I think in a couple of years, John wall is going to be owed $50 million. And I don't think John wall right now is a $50 million player. So um, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but I think for this team right now, there's no hope for the playoffs. So I think you got to um, trade away your asset or try to weigh your, your players and try to get the best assets as possible and, and get some salary cap relief and um, some um, draft capital. Yeah. I mean, and zooming out, I mean, I, I'm a huge PJ Tucker fan. I don't yep. understand if the market is actually this tepid for PJ Tucker. That makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I feel like this guy has been one of the toughest dudes in the playoffs for the last four or five years. I mean, you know, just the perfect playoff piece. You can put him on a wing. You can put him on a KD or a Kawhi or a LeBron. He can, he can handle there. You know, you could play him at the five. He's just so tough. He's, I, I thought he was, you know, getting to the point where he was very similar to Draymond green for that. Those, those Rockets playoff teams. Um, and yeah, he's struggled this year. I mean, what is he, what is PJ Tucker going to do for you offensively on a team that needs offense? He's the perfect role player in the playoffs. He can knock down an open catch and shoot three. And then he just grinds his ass off on defense. So 
when I look at the playoff picture in general, I think there are a lot of teams who need to suck it up and trade with PJ Tucker. I, I think he will be closing games in the playoff wherever he ends up. I mean, he was on Brooklyn. You put him next to KD in that front court. That is perfect. Obviously they just brought in Blake Griffin, but Milwaukee, yeah. I mean, everybody who everybody's looking for that one final player to fit in their closing lineup. They can make an open three and then just be a body on defense that, that you that can survive in the crucible. That is the playoffs. So PJ Tucker, definitely interested to see where he goes. Let's take one quick break here and we will come back with some more trends and angles that we like. Want to get an advantage over the sports book when it comes to betting? You need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets. BetQL has sharp data for college basketball, NBA, and the NHL. So if you want an inside edge for who the pros are backing, you need to check out BetQL. Plus, they have tons of sports book offers for your state. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store to download BetQL and bet smarter, not harder. That's it. Head to betql.com and enter code SGP30 for 30% off your first subscription. That's promo code SGP30 at betql.com. All right. So we're, we're 30 minutes in. It's time to uh, just give Moon off the microphone here. He is a, a, a killer with the gambling trends. Uh, always, you know, posting them in articles on sportsgamblingpodcast.com and in the Slack channel. I know that you definitely have some uh, fire to bring to the people. So, um, Let's tee this up here. Favorite trends, favorite gambling angles that you held in the uh, first half of the season. I got a few, but let's start with you. Yeah, I think for me was number one, I think we already had mentioned was the Chicago Bulls um, as the underdog uh, on the road, right? 10 and two against the spread in that, in that span. So that was one team that um, I, I was betting on as far as uh profitable trends. And then quickly, I just wanted to rattle off um, some of the best teams against the spread here Go ahead. in the first half of the season, right? So um, I'll start with the top five against the spread overall. So number five, and I'll work my way down. So San Antonio Spurs at number five were 18 and 14. The New York Knicks, 21 and 16. Chicago Bulls at number three were 20 and 14. And then the two teams that we have been discussing here um, as the most profitable against the spread was number two, the Phoenix Suns at 24 and 11 and the Utah jazz number one at 25 and 11. So those are some of the teams that we had been talking about, especially in our Slack channel and the previous podcast that we've done is that, um, that these teams were, were really the cash cows against the spread for us. And then one team on that list, I definitely wanted to point out was the New York Knicks and how we were betting on them uh, in the first half where they were just on an incredible run. And, and that was another profitable angle that we, we loved betting on was uh, that first half uh, on the Knicks. I didn't trust him, trust them in the full game for some reason, but I mean, they were just a blindly bet team on the first half against the spread. I know they lost uh, on that first half, I think two games ago, but then they came back the next game. I believe it was against the Pistons and they covered the first half spread. So I think that was where I wanted to start um, at least with those uh, teams as of top five best teams against spread overall. Yeah. And uh, the Knicks, I, I was going to point Knicks first half was a, a nightly uh, experiment in the uh, NBA gambling Slack channel uh, at sg.pn slash Slack to sign up. 
Knicks first half, 25, 10 and one in the first half, including yeah. nine and one in the last 10 games of the season. I think it was going like 15, 16 straight going into that. If I recall, yeah. um, I want to shout out, uh, not an ad, but Joe Osborne at odd shark does a ton of good work with uh first quarter and first half trends. Uh, yeah. And I see you're nodding along. So he definitely does a, a lot of good with that. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And I was just going to say, just going off of Joe, uh, that's one of the handicapping tools that I do use is, is, is updated sheets and his trends on their website. So uh, yeah, shout out to Joe and for the work that he does there. And it's been an incredible tool to use in your handicapping. I really highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, just in terms of uh, like a feel aspect, do you, do you feel like it is a, uh, you know, who are the teams that you feel like you've been on more than normal uh, so far in the first half of the season? Yeah, I think um, obviously we just mentioned the New York Knicks was one of them. Um, I'm more, I like playing totals more because I just like diving into the numbers. So I, the teams that I did mention were the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, the one of the best, the, the best over team in the NBA here in the first half at 26 and 10, cashing at 72%. Uh, Sacramento Kings, uh, number two at 25 and 11, close to 70%. And then the Brooklyn Nets, I know they were having defensive issues when they uh, traded for James Harden, um, but they are still one of the more popular um, over teams because of the firepower that they have on offense. I, I ju I'm just imagining what this team is going to do when they get Kevin Durant back. I mean, this is a team with these three guys and the shooters that they have that can drop almost 130, 140 points per night if they wanted to. And I think that really bodes well for over. So um, those were the kind of the top three teams that I was really circling every single night on my schedule and kind of diving into the numbers and seeing if there was any value on betting the over for this team. And then the last team, uh, um, as far as totals, I did want to mention was taking uh, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, on the unders, especially in the second half. So, but uh, the best under team, in the NBA was the Los Angeles Lakers where they were 23 and 14 towards the under because they do have that defensive mindset and the defensive guys that they have on this team with Anthony Davis, when he was healthy, uh, LeBron James, obviously a, a defend, uh, a great defensive player. And then they also had KCP was a great wing defender too. So the Los Angeles Lakers are a team that really pride themselves on the defensive end. And that's how they kind of won the title last year. Um, and then you have your two offensive guys, obviously that can get you points on any given night and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So I think their, their focus was really on defense and that's really translated as being one of the best under teams in this league. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the Lakers are a team, like they are a defense first team. And if anything, I mean, their offense, their offensive additions just really haven't really panned out. Right? I mean, they exchanged Danny green for Schroeder that hasn't really worked out that well so far this year. Uh, Trez yeah. is a guy that came in like, you know, Trez is pretty irrelevant on that team right now. I don't really see, you know, what his role is going to be going forward in the playoffs. Um, but they're a team that can win with defense. So definitely in the playoffs, I mean, Utah is now an offensive juggernaut, same with the Clippers, but you know, the Lakers are going to be a team that's going to bring that defense and, you know, imagine a, a Lakers nets series, the, the clash of styles that that would be, that would be incredible yeah. if, that, if that ended up being the finals. Um, I, and also, you know, everything you said about the, uh, the overs, I mean, some of these teams, you can't set the total high enough. Like yeah. I think the average fan and, and myself included, and, you know, I don't want to say that bookmakers are doing this, but 
I feel like we're so used to seeing games and we all think of an NBA game as like, all right, it'll be, you know, somewhere between 95 and 110, uh, you know, both teams somewhere in that range, like the average score, maybe is a hundred, a hundred or something like that. And that is just not bearing out. You know, as you say, you'll, you'll see a game where the totals at two thirty-seven, and we're on a podcast and we're like lock over and, yeah. you know, and that is just so it's fascinating to see you have to really work on adjusting your mental approach because even these high totals, a team like new Orleans or Chicago, like you mentioned, you know, they're routinely playing their games in the one twenties. That's their average. Like yeah. if they, they go, if they go lower than that. That is a outlier game and kind of shows where the game is headed. But um, just been fascinating with, with all those overs. Like, like, like you said, some of these teams, you just can't go high enough. Yeah. And it's like you said, I mean, there there's been nights where you're, you're betting on a total that's around two twenty two thirty, and through the end of three quarters, they're, they're getting close to 200 points, you know, and, and it's been crazy to kind of see that. And, but it's almost kind of like the norm in the NBA now with some of these teams at the volume of three point shots that these teams are getting up and, and the pace that they're playing with. Um, it's for some of these teams like new Orleans and Sacramento where defense is kind of optional, right? It's more like we want to outscore you. We're not going to play defense, but we have the offensive power where we're just going to go out there and try to outscore you and knock down our three point shots to kind of beat you. So, um, you know, those were some of the teams that I was kind of uh, angling as far as trends. And then uh, just real quickly off of um, the five worst teams against the spread, um, I know we're, we're, we're a gambling podcast, so we, you know, we don't want to talk about these trends. So, um, so number five from the bottom, new Orleans Pelicans, 15 and 21 against the spread Sacramento Kings are with, right with them at 15 and 21, the Indiana Pacers, I think were an interesting team against the spread here at 14 and 21. Also, you know, we're talking about them here in the Eastern conference as the 10th seed right now, only half a game out of. Um, the playoff picture. And then the two bottom teams in the Western conference were the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves at 14, 21 and one. And then the, obviously the Houston Rockets at 11 and 23 against the spread. So um, some, maybe, you know, some of those teams that you want to continue to keep fading because they may be in tank mode or kind of, you know, mailing it in for the season and, and getting to the off season would be the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Houston Rockets. Yeah, definitely. I think I want to talk about the Pacers a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I I was surprised to see that Karis LeVert will be returning after the all-star break. Um, so yeah. that is obviously incredible news prayers up to Karis. He had a, a scary situation, but so glad that that worked out, but mm-hmm. I'm actually really intrigued by the idea of a Karis LeVert, Malcolm Brogdon backcourt. I think those guys could really play off each other. Well, yeah. And I, I think Karis LeVert is really undervalued and underappreciated in our league. Right. And, and the, just, it's just an incredible story that they found the medical condition that he had in, 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 in a couple months here since the trade that he's going to be back on the basketball court playing basketball. I think that's really incredible. So um, I, I'm just hoping that, you know, this is, this is behind him and that he can just go out and just go play basketball for this team. And, like you mentioned, now Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert in that backcourt is really intriguing because Karis LeVert is a guy that can go out and get you 20, 25 points per night. And I think that's something that the Pacers really need behind uh, Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon. They kind of need that help. So getting LeVert back is going to be big for them. And I think the loss of TJ Warren was also uh, big for them because that was another walking bucket for them. So 
this is going to be an, another team that we kind of want to keep an eye on here in the second half of the season. I know we'll get to that here in a little bit later teams that keep your eye on in the second half, but um, you know, Sabonis having an all-star year for them. Um, you know, Miles Turner has been big. Mal- Malcolm Brogdon has been good for them. Uh, so getting Karis LeVert back is going to be really big for this Indiana Pacers team. Yeah. And obviously with Brogdon, I mean, I think he's, he's ha- had a pretty good year so far, but mm-hmm he's always been best in that off ball role where he can be a true combo. Like he can be your secondary creator. He can run some pick and roll, but also spot up and hit threes. And, you know, he can play off of other guys. Like he, you know, he obviously thrived in that he's kind of a point guard, but he's kind of not. And Karis mm-hmm. Levert, like you said, he's a bucket getter. So he has the ball in his hands a lot, but he also isn't going to handle those primary playmaking duties. So I think they could be an intriguing combination together. Yeah. Just looking at their schedule coming in, starting the second half, it's, it's a little brutal. So they start with uh, the LA Lakers and then they have the Phoenix suns. Then they have the Denver nuggets. Then they have the Brooklyn nets. And then the next three games are two games against Miami. And then they take on the Milwaukee bucks. So that's a, that's a pretty tough schedule for them coming out here in the second half of the season. So it'll be interesting to see which direction this team goes. So um, keep an eye on out for the Indiana Pacers here starting the second half of the season. Yeah, and they were they were a team that both of us were scoffing at going into the all-star break. Obviously, that Karis Levert news was intriguing. Yeah. I want to ask you one more question, but do you want to just empty out any other trends or stats that you wanted to throw out in this section uh, and we can just share those with everybody? Um, I, I think the two teams that we do need to mention uh, real quick was uh, the best teams at home. <clears throat> Sorry, um, the Utah Jazz, number one in the league against the spread at home, 14 and three against the spread. And then the Philadelphia 76ers who thrive at home, right? We would talk about how we want to play on the 76ers at home because they play so well at home, 13 and six against spread. Uh, so those are the two teams I did want to mention, at least on trends and and um, against the spread here. So, um, you know, if you take a look at the Utah Jazz and the Philadelphia 76ers, two teams that are competing for that number one seed, and try to play on them at, at home because the numbers are backing it up at least for this season for them. Okay, great. Yeah. Both teams that thrive at home. And I think the Sixers are getting fans back here after the all-star break. So that's something to look out for too. You know, yeah. one other trend I want to throw out one that I picked up on later in the, in the uh, first half of the season, but sun's first quarter that's 24 and 10 against the spread. And that is 15 and two at home this year with sun in the first quarter. So, um, that's one that I really like. Oh, sorry, 14 and three at home. Sorry, 14 and three at home. Um, but that's been a cash cow. So Suns first quarter, that starting lineup looks really good. I want to ask you one more thing. As we go to the second half of the season and teams start tanking, teams start providing a lack of motivation. I think there's a question of does the lack of effort affect you on the defensive end and allows more scoring? Or does the lack of effort, you know, mean that you're not trying to score at all? How how do you factor that into totals when, when teams start tanking? I think it's on the defensive end for sure. Right. Because there's like, we want to get up as many shots and as many points and how many makes that we can. Right. So in, uh, on the defensive end, it's, you know, we're not going to put in the effort because we can still go out on the other end and score points. So I think teams that are going to try to kind of not put in that effort is probably going to be on the defensive side of the basketball. Um, because as basketball players, you kind of want to score you score, you want to, you want to score a point. You want to, you know, get those stats on your, uh, in the stat box for yourself. So, but also it'll be interesting to see that teams that are kind of mailing it in for the season to see which 
players are going to be sitting on a nightly basis for this team, right? Because of quote unquote load management or quote unquote injury management, because they kind of want to save their legs for next season. So, you know, guys like Carl Anthony Towns, you know, is there a reason for him to be out there and risk a potential big injury and not have him for a year? Um, another team may be like the Houston Rockets, Christian Wood, um, John Wall, you know, these guys that are, or these teams that are in that bottom half of the conference where they're don't really have a chance for the playoffs. Are they going to be playing these players? So I think two things is like you, the question going back to what you asked, I think it's on the defensive side of the ball and maybe towards the over, but I, I think going deeper into that, we're possibly playing on teams that are tanking their opposing teams, team totals, taking that over because those teams are kind of maybe going to be pouring on the points because that team is not playing defense. Okay. That that's a very thoughtful answer. Let's take a quick break here and then we'll come back with, uh, you know, we, we have about four more topics here. This has been great so far. We're also brought to you by better than dot Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what hashtag Dejans only care about and that's sports betting. The best part is you'll be able to get free video picks from the SGPN crew. So make sure to subscribe to the SGPN page, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. So you don't miss any of our videos. If you're subscribed, you'll get a notification every time a new SGPN video is posted. So go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV to subscribe to our better than Dob Vegas page today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com plus BTV. All right, welcome back, everyone. And now we're going to get into uh, another fun segment. This has been one of our favorite uh, aspects of this season so far. Angles that you've been playing on with uh, player props. Munaf, go ahead. So um, I think that one of the teams that, or sorry, players that we were really touting and talking about here in the first half of the season was uh, Jeremy Grant, right? And I think um, that we had discussed this in the kind of the previous podcast about tar- not targeting or playing on props that included superstars. So like your LeBron James and your your Luka Dantes and your Giannis's and, and those type of players. But going back to Jeremy Grant, um, we, we, were, we were taking um, betting on over his points because the market was not correctly um, gauging what Grant was doing on a nightly basis. So at, at one point, Jeremy Grant was scoring. He has scored 20 plus points in 14 straight games and the market just never adjusted to it. They were still putting his points props at around 18 and a half, 19 and a half. And, and I've, we've really stressed this in the Slack channel with the guys that are betting on these angles is, shop around for these numbers because there have been multiple props this season, at least in the first half of the season where I've lost by half a point. And, and, and if you shop around a little bit uh, and you, and you find having multiple outs is big because that half a point can make such a, a difference between having a profitable week or a profitable month versus a losing month. So number one, I think Jeremy Grant was one of those players that we were talking about. Um, and the second player that I kind of want to uh, talk about was Evan Fournier of the Orlando Magic that we were had talked about that once he had returned from his injury, 
um, he kind of picked up right where he's left off and, and the market had didn't adjust for him um, for about four games. And his points total was being set at 16 and a half, 17 and a half, 18 and a half in that neighborhood. And um, he was getting 21 points in that first game that he came back, if I remember correctly. And then he had 28 in both of the next games uh, after that. So, um, and then quietly, slowly, the market started creeping up on his number to 22 and a half, 23 and a half. So I, I think as far as handicapping and, and, and gambling and giving the advice through the handicapping tools that I kind of look at is trying to find where the market is not adjusting for players because of their recent play. And those are the two examples that I just gave with Jeremy Grant and um, Evan Fournier was that, yeah, obviously, you know, coming back from injury or they're not uh, adjusting the way they're playing uh, and also not targeting uh players like the superstars of the league that like i had mentioned but playing those guys in situational spots and we had discussed this on a previous pod is if a guy like steph curry is having a bad shooting night he's going to come back in the next game or two where he's going to have a a fire night where he's making five or six plus three pointers and dropping 35 40 points so if you see a superstar like steph curry that didn't have a great game the previous night you know he's going to come back and play well for uh for for the warriors that that following night or the next game so i I think those are kind of the starting points to talk about of what we're kind of looking at at betting on player props yeah i think those are all great points you know i think to me i've kind of tried to break it down in terms of the thought process you're the really the the two you know things especially for points total i think that's kind of the best place to start is you're either looking for usage is their usage going to be high or low and yeah. what does the matchup look like? You know, you, like we found out with that Anthony Edwards prop, you can't control if the shot goes in, but you know, he went yeah. one for 10 from three that night, got up 23 field goal attempts, you know, yeah. only had 19 points, but you know, that type of night with a little bit better shooting luck that ends up being a 30 points, 30 point mm-hmm. night and a slam dunk over, you know, you yeah. want to jump in on that? Yeah. And I think that was the last player part of the, for this last week that we had is where he, like you mentioned, he got up the shots, right? Because, and we were on that prop because Malik Beasley was serving that 12 game suspension that he, that he's serving right now. And we knew that those shots that Malik Beasley was taking, were going to have to go somewhere else because Malik Beasley was the leading scorer for, for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves when Carl Anthony Towns was out. So um, I think the side was right, obviously in hindsight, because if he had made one more three point shot or, or made a, a layup or, or a jump shot, you know, that would have been a, a win for us, but it wasn't. And we're not going to sit here and cry about it, but I think those are some of the things that we kind of look at. And then I think you also want to find teams that don't do well against a specific um, position on the floor, meaning uh, backing. So for, for an example is that the San Antonio Spurs are one of the worst defenses against the point guard position. And that doesn't mean necessarily that, Hey, if the San Antonio Spurs are playing the Dallas Mavericks, that Luka Dantage is going to um, go off that night, but there, the, the signs indicate that he will, because as collectively at that position, they're saying that Luca and Jalen Brunson are going to have big games that night because San Antonio Spurs don't defend the point guard position. Well, and then there's information out there on the website that I think one of the websites that I do use is called hash 
think hashtag basketball or, or hash basketball, something like that, where it kind of breaks down how teams are doing defensively against every single position. So how many points are giving up to that position, how many rebounds are given up to that position, how many assists are given up to that position and how many three point shots, et cetera. So those are some of the things that I love to look at every single morning when I'm kind of handicapping and trying to find these player props. Yeah, that, that, that's so, that's such a good point because you know, you, the matchup is so key. Like I, I think you, cause usually you're seeing a guy is lined, you know, all things considered, it's probably going to be right around their average, right? You know, if a guy's averaging 22 points that you're per, pretty much going to get a 22 and a half player prep line, obviously there are plenty of other variables, but that's when you want to read into the matchup. Okay. You know, is this guy more likely than not to, you know, exceed expectations because, you know, he's going up against a chump, you know, on the other team at that position. So I, you know, I want to bring up as an example, we were taking big men on rebounds and points against the Rockets every single night down the stretch, because once Christian Wood went out, this team so, was so struggling at interior defense, um, you know, two point defense. So, you know, Houston, I, I, I want to point out a stat here. They were third worst in two point defense. Um, and also in the bottom three in rebounds, we had that Jared Allen prop a couple of nights ago. That, that was fun to uh, yeah. be on. And, you know, so I think, you know, like you said, you, you put those two things together. Okay. You know, Malik Beasley's out, um, you know, Anthony Edwards is going to get up more shots. So he's, you know, that's, that's playing into it. And then you look at the matchup too. I think, you know, you could look at the other guy's position. That website sounds like a great resource or, you know, the yeah. style of play, you know, are, is this going to be an up and down free flowing game where everyone's getting shots up? Is this going to be an interior, you know, smash mouth game? Um, other things, you know, I think stretch big men is one thing I've, I've liked to, uh, look at this year is if, you know, the other team only plays one big man and, and he happens to be a three point capable three point shooter that can drag the opposing big man away from the hoop, maybe lead to less rebounds for that type of player. I think Porzingis is a good guy to look across from that um, at, um, but just tons of different angles here. But like you said, it's so important to shop around and get the best of the number because these markets are not nearly as consistent. You probably will find a different number if you have three or four outs. Whereas, you know, on the spread, you're probably not. Yeah. And then on the flip side, right. If you're going to take uh betting an under on, on some of these player props, uh, finding those teams that are really good against the defense. So right off yep. the bat, you know, we take a look at, um, at least at the center position, Philadelphia, the best team against, uh, the center position led by, you know, Dwight Howard, who is a great defensive player that comes in when Joel Embiid is, is going to take that break. Um, you know, they're only giving up 17 points to that uh, center position, you know, Denver Nuggets, another good team against the center position. Um, and then over to the point guard position, you know, some of the best defenses are the Phoenix suns. You know, they have Chris ball that he may be a little slow, but he, he causes defenses to think twice because he's such a high IQ player. Um, what he does on the court, he's pretty much an extension of a head coach on the, on the, on the floor for, for the Phoenix suns. And then Another team, the LA Lakers, who are a great team against the point guard position, whether that's LeBron guarding um, the opposing team's point guard or if it's Dennis Schroeder or, or KCP. So um, the information is really out there and and for you to kind of break down and see how teams perform against certain positions. And I think that's a great handicapping tool. And I'll go just going off of what you said, you know, finding that stretch uh, big man that could kind of get out and knock down those shots. You know, Jokic is a great example of that. A guy that can knock down those mid-range shots and also knock down the three-point shots. So 
um, you know, you kind of really have to dive into the numbers as far as player props and, and the information's really out there. And, and we post, have great conversations about player props in our Slack channel. So I know we're kind of touting our Slack channel, but guys just make sure to get in there because there's some great information that kind of comes out in those channels. Yeah. And that's a sg.pn slash Slack. How do you use motivation and like revenge angles? I know we talk about that a lot. Like this guy's, you know, homecoming. Um, do you factor that in? And if so, how much? I think if, so I think the first example right now that's coming to mind is when uh, John Wall returned to DC. That first, the first game uh, back in DC when he when he got traded to the Houston Rockets is where uh, those are kind of some of the narratives that you kind of want to bet on. Yeah, we may kind of think that that number is built into the number by the sports books and the markets, but it's only a certain amount, and I think determining that, Hey, John wall got traded from the Washington wizards to the Houston Rockets. He wants to go back at his former team to say, Hey, you shouldn't have traded me because I'm still a good player. And I'm going to show you at least for tonight, what I can still do. So, you know, I think John wall is one of the examples that comes to mind. And then I think uh, going right off of that trade, Russell Westbrook, that first game back in, in Houston, I think he had posted a triple double and he had a great game that night. So um, I, I think a guy like Russell Westbrook on his points, rebounds and assists, the way he's finally gotten healthy and playing well for this uh, wizards team is an angle to look at for um, at least when you're taking the over on the points, rebounds and assists on one of those guys. So the narrative of, of the revenge angle can go so far. I think that if it's some, if it's a, trade that recently happened if it's that first night or the first game where they're going against their former team on the road i think that's some of the angles that you want to kind of look at yeah it's built into the number by the sports book but i don't think it's is built in enough because that player wants to give it to that uh player or their former team uh for that night at least yeah and i think also along the lines of narrative i think you know following a lot of beat writers from from local teams can, mm-hmm. on Twitter. And, you know, if you have a time listening to post-game press conferences, that kind of thing, because that also plays into the idea of a narrative and you can get a sense for, you know, what guys are impressing coaches recently and they want to get him more shots or what guys do they say they quote unquote need to get going. You know, that's right. a guy who has a guy who might get shots or a guy who maybe, you know, he wasn't himself. And it's like, okay, this guy's doing too much. You know, he needs to get back to what he, what he used to do. Okay. Maybe that's a guy who's going to get less shots. Like as an example, Michael Porter Jr. in Denver, you know, if you all the noise coming out of Denver going into that four game road trip with Michael Green and Paul Millsap, both out was we need to get Michael Porter Jr. going at the four position. He was crashing the glass at will went over that rebound prop, you know, was a double digit boards guy um, also was shooting too. So I think those are the kind of things I definitely think just in general, following as many local beat writers as you can. Um, and, and, you know, you figure out who the best ones are for each team is a, very valuable resource, um, you know, during the season, anything, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to mention like, so beginning of this season at this NBA season is I made a separate Twitter account where I went on the internet and found the beat writer for every single NBA team. And, and I just went and made a separate account and just followed every single one of those guys. I'm not posting anything on that Twitter account or, 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 you know, tweeting, but I'm just going into that account every single day 
in reading what these beat writers are saying about the team and, and what's coming out of uh, after practice or post game. And, and that's just valuable information that a lot of betters don't know is, is that go and follow the beat writers because you have the national guys like your Woj and your, and your Shums Charanias and those guys, but the beat writers of these teams are the ones that are on the ground and know what's going on within the walls of that team. So um, like you mentioned, yeah, post-game interview to find those B-Riders, you can get some valuable information and, and and translate that into your bets for a following night. Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head with that Michael Porter uh, Jr. Um, uh, prop bet with the rebounding. I think there was a night where he had like 17 rebounds and 19 points. So uh, I think that's some valuable, great handicapping information there. Yeah, that, that can't be said enough. I mean, you, these national, there are, there's plenty of amazing national people out there yeah. that are covering this league, but they can never get the depth of knowledge on a team that a guy who's with them every single day um, is. And, and especially for like, you know, second unit stuff, like you're not going to get any of that information uh, from anywhere else. Like, you know, just something that I was reading today from uh, Anthony Slater, who covers the warriors for uh, the athletic, you know, that Brad Wanamaker is might, might be out of the rotation when they come back from the all-star break. Cause Jordan pool is going to take that secondary ball handling on the second unit. Like yeah. those are the kind of things you're never going to get that from ESPN.com national or something like that. So, you know, it's all free. It's all out there. Um, so anything else on player props, or do you want to get into bet on teams in the second half of the season? No, I, I think that's it, at least for player props. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing that I have found success is, um, when I'm betting points, I also kind of want to look at their rebounds and assists because if they don't have a great shooting night, that they're still putting in the effort on the offensive defensive side, whether that's getting rebounds and assists. So, um, you know, for guys that you kind of want to look at their average and see what they're doing on as far as facilitating and scoring, you know, Jamal Murray is one of those guys that can go out and get you 30 points every single night, but he can also rebound the basketball and he can also, um, you know, dish out some assist and also same thing on the set on the Denver nuggets. Jokic is another guy that can get you a triple double by halftime. And sometimes those numbers aren't quite adjusted by the book. So those are some profitable angles just to wrap up the player prop angle. Okay, great. Now we're going to get into uh, another, you know, session that that should be fun teams that you want to bet on in the second half of the season. Now, obviously like, you know, it's number specific, but you know, teams that you are looking to uh, have in the portfolio as much as possible in the second half of the season, go ahead, Munaf. Yeah. So I think this is kind of like buying stocks, right? On yep. which team you want to kind of hold on to going on to the second half of the season. And um, I'll start with the first, I have four teams written down. I think the first one for me, we had mentioned in the last podcast was the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, they were on the outside of the playoff p- picture looking in now that they won their final two games against OKC, now they're at the eighth seed um, fighting for payoff position. So um, this is a team that I think it's, it, they're healthy now. They got, you know, they, I think they went through some health and safety protocols, but they got their guys back. Lucas playing well. Um, Jalen Brunson has been really big for them. That's another guy that we've been talking about a lot. Um, uh, Porzingis, you know, he's a guy that, he, he, he's a, he's a, he's a guy next to Luca that can also go out and get you points. But the depth that this team has, um, I think will translate into the second half of, of the season here for them. So I think that's a team that I kind of want to look at, um, to start off this, uh, first half, uh, of the season, oh, sorry, the second half of the season here, 
are the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. And I, I have them on my list as well. And I, I will include them because I, I actually, I had six teams. I actually had nine teams, which is, which is of course I, I can never, uh, you know, <laughs> resist uh, writing down all these teams, but I, I think there's a type of team that, that was, you know, struggled out of the gates, kind of seemed to struggle to adjust to this regular season, but they have that top 10 at, and that's Miami in the East and Dallas in the West, both two teams. And I see you nodding along with Miami. So glad to see that. Yeah. Like, both these two teams kind of struggle to find their footing this season. Um, but you know, are kind of waking up now, climbing back up those standings, getting back in the playoff picture. And they're kind of reminded that going into the season, they were teams that wanted to, you know, chase a championship. So continuing to rise up those standings and know that when you have that sense of urgency where you're not, you know, a top three seed who can afford to lose a couple of games that should keep them motivated all year. So I had, I had one group of teams that was like, you know, teams that are starting to figure it out and are expected to make the playoffs. And that's Miami and Dallas for me. So glad we have some agreement. Yeah. Those are the first two teams I had written down Dallas Mavericks and Miami. So I'm glad we're agreeing on that. Okay. So, so yeah, so Miami and Dallas look like good ones. I mean, both teams that are climbing back up in net rating, climbing back and point differential kind of two key indicators. I, I had another tier of teams um, that I think are going to be getting healthy. And that was uh, the Denver nuggets were one. Uh, you know, continuing to get healthy, that point differential looks good to me. Um, and you know, they're kind of, you know, another team like similar to Miami and Dallas, who they 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 went to the bubble, they had a deep bubble run, they had that quick turnaround, struggled out of the gates. Obviously, they lost their three first games, um, and now improving. And then I had I had the Atlanta Hawks on this list as well. Um, they're a team that, you know, I haven't loved in the past. Don't necessarily love their style, but fired the coach. So obviously a massive sense of urgency for everyone in that organization front office, you know, down to their players, Trey young. I think the John Collins trade situation is interesting. That will obviously make up for itself in the, in the betting markets. If he's, if he's on the team or not. So don't need to worry about that too much on a game to game basis. But I just think their health has been so impacted, you know, as much as any other team, they brought in Bogdanovich and Gallo as those were supposed to be two key, key pieces for this team. And both of them have missed a ton of time. Uh, Rondo's missed time as well. So they got, you know, two wins coming in after firing their coach so that, you know, that can be good to get into the all-star break. And I think they're a team that could come back and and work their way into the play-in game. Um, you know, from a point differential perspective, they're, you know, right around, they should be right around 500. They're 16 and 20, um, but with a, actually a positive point differential. Uh, so, you know, the, along with the Indiana Pacers, they are non playoff teams in the East with a positive point differential. So Atlanta and Denver are teams. I think are going to get healthy and I want to buy stock now. Yeah. And you take a look at Atlanta's schedule here, right? Coming, starting at least the first five games here um, in the second half of the season. And it's not, it's a pretty easy schedule compared to, I mean, uh, to who their opponents are, right? So the first game they have the Toronto Raptors. Okay. And then they have Sacramento Kings, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, the Houston Rockets, and then OKC Thunder. So I think those first those first five games right there are going to tell us everything that we kind of want to know about what the Atlanta Hawks are going to be about. And and I think the coaching change. I, I'm a Nate 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 McMillan fan. Um, so I think these guys are going to play hard for him. And I think that it, it might be even a coaching upgrade because of the the experience that. Uh, Nate has at that head coaching position. So I think those first five games for Atlanta Hawks are going to be uh, really interesting to see. And then they have the two uh, games against the LA team. So 
Um, it'll be interesting if Trey Young is going to be that guy that's going to go out and score 30 points for them every single night. And, the, and like, like you mentioned, the John Collins situation, whether he's going to be on this team or if he gets traded. So that, I think those are some of the things that kind of keep your eye on for at least the uh, Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the fact that they fired their coach already, I think mm-hmm. kind of helps you for the rest of the season. Cause now there's yeah. no excuses for anybody. Like right. when you have a coach who might be a lame duck, like a Lloyd Pierce, you can kind of blame everything on that. Um, but now, you know, you've, you've already cast that out, out of the room. So, you know, it's time it's go time for Atlanta. Um, other teams that you had on this list, uh, for you, I, I think, um, one team that, or at least one more team out of the Western conference was going to be the golden state warriors for, for me, okay. um, early on in the season, I know they didn't have Draymond game Draymond green because of injury, but if you take a look at what the golden state warriors have kind of done with Draymond green back, I know he's cost them a couple games at Charlotte game where he had that technical at the end of the game and cost them the uh, game there. But the, the, I think the chemistry and the continuity that Steph Curry and Draymond green have is going to be big in the second half of the season for them. And, and I know they're missing clay Thompson, but like you mentioned earlier, is this team going to make a move heading towards this trade deadline to kind of propel them into the playoff? So I think, you know, we saw last night that Steph Curry, you know, he won the three point contest. He also came out and said that he still has a lot more to accomplish, but he doesn't have to prove anything right now. And I think that this might be a monster second half for Steph Curry and, and this team. And like you mentioned, you know, them getting Jordan Poole from their, from their G league team and uh, having him come up and um, you know, we need to see what they're going to get from Andrew Wiggins here because he's been just so inconsistent. He just needs to find some consistency and shoot the basketball well for them. And Kelly Oubre has come on also for this team. So, you know, when you have Steve Kerr, at the head coaching position and you have a guy like Steph Curry and Draymond Green who's a guy that can that's facilitating your offense and you know setting guys up in the right spot so I think this is a team to kind of look out for yeah they've lost here three in a row going into the all-star break but I think you know they might be turning the corner here later uh turning the corner here in the second half to kind of make that push for the um for the playoffs yeah I I I I did not have them on my on my list but I think that's a great point. The energy from Steph last night was definitely very interesting. He definitely uh he was a star of the show obviously winning the three point and then you know making that statement at the end. I'm glad you brought up Kelly Oubre Jr because I think when you go back to the player prop idea I think this is a guy who could have a major second half of the season. Um contract year for him. Remember, I mean, they, they, they traded yeah. for him as an expiring deal. So he, I think he kind of wants to, you know, stick around in golden state. He's always talked about wanting to find a long-term home um, last mm-hmm. 10 games for Ubre, 21 points, six boards, 41% from three, 53% overall. So, you know, he's finding his offense now after a really rough shooting start to the season. So I like yeah. that team. Um, I had, a couple other ones. I think Phoenix is one. I definitely think they're going to stay hot. Like they, they've just yeah. been really, really solid and they're deep. Um, and I think they kind of understand the sense of urgency with where they're at in the West and the opportunity to stay in that two seed um, continue to playing well. So I think that they're definitely a team that I want to keep uh, looking at the Clippers. I think are a team they've kind of had a ton of injuries and guys in and out of the lineup, but you know, I, I kind of still like the energy around this team. I, I'm high on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
three game losing streak here coming into the coming in with Kawhi missing some of those games with injuries. So I think the Clippers are a team that they could be one of those contenders that gets really hot down the second half of the season. Um, I'll just throw out a few more names. Cleveland getting better, kind of figuring out a lot more clarity in who they are as a team. No Drummond. You now have this really clear core of Allen with uh, Sexland and Okoro. Um, so I kind of like them figuring out a little bit four and one straight up in their last five against an easy schedule going into the all-star break. But I think they could, they, they could be a sneaky team that, you know, as they're quote unquote tanking that can continue to cover spreads, Charlotte, another one. And then I just had Brooklyn as, you know, if they get KD back and they could, they could really become a menace. That's impossible to deal with in the offensive ends, so maybe more team totals, but that type of thing. Um, other teams that you had written down. Yeah. Last team I wanted to kind of mention here was the Washington wizards are, are that are kind of intriguing, you know, they got off to that slow start in the beginning of the season where, you know, Russell Westbrook is on a new team. So they're trying to figure out the system that they have in place. Um, and then they dealt with the uh, health and safety protocols where they had some of their role players out. But um, I think Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook have kind of figured things out as far as getting playing time together and kind of feeding off of each other. And, you know, right now they're sitting at 14 and, and 20 uh, here on the season. They are um, only two games out of the NBA, uh, sorry, Eastern conference playoff picture there. But I think when you have two guys that want to win as much as Westbrook and Bradley Beal do, that will be contagious for the rest of this team. And they can make a push for that, that eighth, seventh or eighth seed in, in the Eastern conference. And, you know, we would all love to see a Westbrook and Bradley Beal going up against, you know, maybe the 76ers or the Brooklyn Nets, if they get into the, into the playoffs, but you know, they won five in a row against Boston, Houston, Denver, Portland Lakers. Uh, and then they, you know, finished the second half of the season or sorry, the first half of the season off with a victory against the Clippers. Um, but I, I think that was without Kawhi. I think Kawhi played or Paul George, one of the two didn't play in that game. I think it was Paul George. He came out and said that he had dizziness, which was kind of interesting and it was blowing up all over Twitter. But um, I think, I think this is one of the teams that I kind of want to look out for here in the second half of the season because it's, it seems like they've kind of figured things out. And I want to really shout out to Rui Yachimura, who's been really playing well for them. This is a guy that can almost guard all five positions on the floor. Very versatile guy. Um, you know, they have Denny Avdia, Davis, Berton, Davis Bertans, who who's one of the best three point shooters in this league. So I think this is one of the teams that kind of wanted to highlight here going into the second half of the season. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought them up. I also want to give a shout out to uh Howell Neto. Um, from the the Washington wizards. He's kind of come in. I think he's replaced ish Smith as, as their, one of their backup guards. He's had some nice games here down the stretch uh, going to the all-star break, obviously 11 points in 24 minutes in that game against the Clippers that they got that nice win going into the break. Um, Any other teams you want to shout out here? Should we get into teams we want to fade? I think we might have some disagreement there. No, as far as uh, teams that play on, I think that's all I had for those. Those were the four teams that I had. Okay, so let's go to uh, let's go to a quick break here, one final break, and then we'll come back with some teams that we want to fade. We're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a like a stock market. Since you're buying positions from other sports bettors, there is no house, and it's legal in more than forty states. 
So post the plays that you like and have someone at the Better Edge Marketplace take the other side for you. They have a ton of other fun against the spread picking contests as well. So sign up today at betteredge.com and use promo code SGP for a free $10 play. That's betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, promo code S-G-E. Okay, coming back from the break here, I want to start off with one team that I think we're going to have some disagreement on, so that will be interesting. I think the Portland Trailblazers are a team that um, I know you shouted out in the beginning. I yeah. think that they're a team that could that could be headed the wrong direction as they come out of the All-Star break. Um, you know, 19 and 16 ATS, so not necessarily like a lucky team, but with these lack of injury updates on CJ and Nurk, um, you know, they have Mello playing the, like so well right now. Um, Gary Trent playing really well. Nas Little playing really well. I'm a little bit worried about their ability to sustain as they go into the playoff chase. And, you know, we mentioned teams that we like. We like the Mavs, you know, the Nuggets, the Warriors, um, even the Grizzlies as teams that are going to overtake them in the standings. And I, I'm a little bit worried about Portland, a negative point differential with the record they have. You never like to see it. Um, only team currently in the Western conference playoffs with a negative point differential other than the Dallas Mavericks um, who have been on the rise. You know, they, they get those three straight wins coming into the break, but nothing ever really feels easy for this team. You know, I, I almost feel like they're always, you know, I'm always surprised to see them get the win. I've, I've been surprised, I guess, a lot this year with that winning record, but Portland's a team with this negative point differential and that rating that I do think I'm trying to sell stock on uh, going forward. Yeah. And I'm just trying to see if I can find some injury news here for um, CJ. So I, I think Jason quick might be one of their beat writers here or the athletic uh, beat writer for the Portland trailblazers yep. was uh, he said that uh, CJ McCollum has been cleared for contact practice and that he'll be evaluated uh, next week. So that was a tweet that he sent out on March 4th. So they may be getting him back, um, you know, maybe next week or the week after, but, and then uh, I think the bigger question mark is uh, Yusuf Nurkic. And, and if that's going to be a guy that we see later in the month or, or next month, because he's just saying that he continues to progress. So he might still be out for a little bit, but um, I, I think, I know we had some disagreement and I think this is good, you know, content that we finally have some disagreement here, but <laughs> When you have, I think when you have a guy that's guy like Damian Lillard, and I know it's just one player on a team, but I think the energy that he brings um, to the team, it's contagious, right? And I, I think that, you know, like you mentioned that some of these guys might regress, regress because, you know, Melo's been playing well and Gary Trent Jr. has been shooting the ball well, but, um, you know, I mean, they have some games on their schedule here that, you know, kind of will keep them in the Western conference playoff picture, right? They come out against Phoenix and they have two games against Minnesota, two games against the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, they have Dallas twice. Um, you know, some other teams that they do have are Orlando, Toronto, Detroit. So uh, I I'm, I'm a believer in this, in this Portland trailblazers team. I think the concern that is going to be is that if Nurkic isn't going to be back, are they going to have that depth inside uh, as a rim protector, who is that going to be? You know, is it going to be Cantor or is it going to be another guy that they kind of pick up at, at the trade deadline or in the buyout market? So it'll be interesting to see to um, what this this kind of transpires for over the for this for this team over the next uh, couple of weeks here. Um, 
or, you know, one thing I did want to mention is this is a team that has been linked to acquiring a third star like a Kevin Love or, or that kind of type of player to kind of round out this roster. So I think I'm sure we'll have a uh, a trade deadline uh, podcast where we talk about guys, you know, where they might end up. But um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what this Portland Trailblazers team does. I, I think, like you mentioned, that some of these guys might regress back to the mean, but uh, when you have Damian Lillard, you always have a chance. That's my theory, kind of uh, for the for the Trailblazers. No, and I, th- I think there is that. There's always that paradox with Dame is that like, you know, he's so clutch. Is that yeah. just a fact, or is that you know, is is that something that, that might regress in the future? I do think with this with this Blazers team, nine and five in uh, games that have gone to quote unquote clutch time by the NBA.com filter. Mm-hmm. with a plus 20 net rating in the last five minutes of games within five points. So, wow. you know, that just, that, that spells Dame time right there. You know, even crazier last three minutes, you know, plus 26. So they're, they're a team that has thrived late in games, gotten some close wins here. So that's something that, you know, you, you could say Dame's clutch. You could say that'll regress. I think both, uh, you know, both have their, their valid arguments behind them. Any other teams that you've been thinking of? Obviously, you weren't thinking of Portland, but other teams you want to bring up in this section? Um, I think the Thunder were one of the teams that I, I had them too. Yeah, I think um, you know when I think they've kind of had their run here in the first half of the season, but when you have the amount of assets that you have as far as draft capital and um, the pure talent on this team, I think it's not. There's, I mean, what do you have? outside of Shea Gilkis Alexander on this team. And and who knows what's going to happen with Al Horford if he decides to reach a buyout with the Thunder and go sign with a contender with a team that kind of needs his services. So um, that's one of the teams I kind of want to fade here because I'm not sure if a guy like Darius Baisley or, or some of the other guys that they have on this team are going to be able to sustain what they've been able to do. And I think one thing, uh, one more, one thing more I wanted to mention is that this team has been playing really incredible, but it's only translated to 15 and 21 record here in the Western conference. Good for the 12th seed right now. So um, we talk about regressing back to the mean. So I think, you know, some of the players that have been playing really well for this team, you know, they might kind of be on a, on a, on a downward fall and they might come crashing down here in the Western conference. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think if we look at a team that's like exceeded expectations the most of anybody, you know, the Thunder had to be right in that conversation for them to be 15 and 21 at the all-star break. I mean, people were because of how good they did in their rebuild, you know, how Mm -hmm. many, how many picks they're able to acquire. I feel like people kind of went, Oh, this is going to be one of the worst teams ever. They're doing the process and they're nothing like the process Sixers. Like there are 15 and 21. So I do think that, the logic of their situation is probably that you want to do go ahead and lose as many games as possible here. Obviously Shay is, you know, maybe too good to even let that happen. He looks like yeah. a five max player. So you got to try to lock him up for the long term, keep him happy now. Um, but I do think that they, they, they need, they need to chill out with this winning. I mean, you, you know, you <laughs> want you want you want to get a better pick. Um, and I know we've already talked about Houston. They're another team that yeah. I think is headed that same direction too. Um, I want to also bring up the Knicks here. Yeah. I feel like, you know, and they've been getting it done on the defensive end that that can't be disputed. Their defense has been awesome, but to me, their offense just doesn't really feel that sustainable and Julius Randall playing out of his mind. But 
they got a lot of hype out of this recent winning streak, but those wins, you know, didn't come against really good teams. So I think they could be a, a maybe good team to fade early and often um, when we come back from the all-star break, you know, beating the Pistons, the Pistons, the Pacers, the Kings, the Wolves, the Hawks, the Rockets, and the Wizards. You know, that's yeah. what this win streak was. It, it wasn't like, you know, you're going out here and, you know, taking down the Giants of the Eastern Conference. You know, they, they're beating bad teams. So I think they're a team that we could definitely look at and say, the market's a little bit out of control high on this team when they might not actually be that good. Yeah. And this is, I think this is probably the team that has exceeded expectations the most. Um, <clears throat> sorry here in, in the first half of the season, but I, I think it's an, uh, shout out to, you know, Tibbs that he has these guys playing hard, but I think you hit the nail on the head that they're one of the better defensive teams, but do they have enough on the offensive side to kind of keep up with some of the teams that they're going to be playing up against, you know, first game out of this, uh, out of this all-star break, they have the Milwaukee bucks and then they have OKC thunder. Okay. But then they have the Brooklyn nets and then they have the Philadelphia 76 or so. Um, I, I think, yeah, they've, they're sitting right now as the number five seeds in the Western, sorry, the Eastern conference. So they might come crashing down because of the lack of, ability to score on this team. And um, I feel like this team just has a big log jam at that guard position. I mean, RJ Barrett, you have Frank Nilakina, you acquired Derek Rose, you have Emmanuel quickly. That's kind of on your bench. That's supposed to be your up and coming star on this team. So I'm not sure if they're going to go out and make another trade or kind of get rid of some of these guys, but it'll be just interesting to see what the New York Knicks do here in the second half of the season. But I do agree with you that, this might be a team to kind of fade here in the second half of the season. Yeah. I mean, I think with, with, like you said, they're probably going to be an active team on the trade de- on the trade deadline. Like they have a, a log jam on this roster. You need, you need to find minutes for IQ and, and, and Frank, hopefully yeah. too. I mean, he's looked really good. Um, and then you're playing, you know, older vets ahead of them. Um, any other teams that you had on the list that you want to bring up? Um, I think the last one quickly, what Carbonano mentioned is, the Sacramento Kings on what's going to happen with them, whether they're going to trade a buddy healed. And I know they've been the last I saw on Twitter before the all-star break was that they made Marvin Bagley available in trade talks. And also um, I think they're going to want to build around Tyrese Halliburton and DRD Darren Fox. I think those are going to be your two starting guards here in the future for this team, but the question marks around Luke Walden that we've been kind of touting that how does this guy still have a job with this team? So I think Sacramento Kings are going to be one of the teams that, um, that may be on a fire sale and start to look to the future and build around a, a roster around De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton here. So I think um, Sacramento Kings are one of the teams that you kind of want to fade here in the second half of the season. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we have been going over here for over an hour and a half. Been fun. A lot of uh, deep, deep content here. Um, we're going to get two more sections in. So we're going to get futures that you would bet right now. Um, I had a couple like I could, I could go off first. Milwaukee, I think, mm-hmm. potentially to win the East. I think I, I still make Brooklyn the favorite, but I think this Milwaukee team is is maybe getting a little bit underrated. So I see Milwaukee at three to one to win the East. You know, if the records shake out, you I don't think Milwaukee would be plus 300 in a series, a series price against Brooklyn. If, they, if that ended up happening, I think you would get a better number than that. So potentially a hedge opportunity um, on Milwaukee. That was really the one thing I saw. I know I were both, you know, Nets, Clippers, Lakers, uh, ticket holders. 
Um, anything else yeah. that you would recommend right now at the all-star break futures bets? Um, it, it's kind of hard to kind of gauge. I think we had talked about a, on our, on, on a couple of podcasts ago about taking the Phoenix suns as division winners, right? It was around anywhere from eight to one to 10 to one. And now I, I'm seeing on one of my books down to about three to one. So yep. I think the value is gone there. Um, an interesting one that I did want to kind of shout out to or, or discuss here with you was going back to the New York Knicks that if this team does make the playoffs, do you give considerations to Tom Thibodeau being coach of the year? Or do you think that Quinn Snyder has kind of locked that up? That's interesting. I, I actually think if the Knicks were to hold on to like the five seed, Mm-hmm. I think Tibbs would get a lot of consideration for it, for the award. I mean, particularly if okay. the jazz slow down here, maybe, um, you know, Quinn Snyder's obviously been the guy, but if the Knicks, I think everyone, no one really thinks the Knicks can keep this up. Right. So it's kind of, yeah. What's the uh, number on that? The last I saw, and I don't see it posted here on my book, but the last I saw it was around 12 to one and, and Quinn okay. Snyder was the minus favorite on that. But I, I just think that, the bad luck or the lack of great play that the New York Knicks have had over these past couple of years uh, and not even making the playoffs, but you bring in a coach that has at, that had a preseason win total of 22 and a half right now. They're already at 19 wins and, and they're sitting at the fifth seed here in the Eastern conference that if they're able to sneak a, a team like the New York Knicks, that if they're in the playoffs and they're playing well, it's, it's good for the NBA because, you know, New York city and, and Madison square garden, you know, we still kind of talk about how that's kind of the Mecca of, of the NBA, but you know, I, I think that's kind of intriguing to have Tom Thibodeau. If you can find that on your books at a 12 to one or around a 10 to one, I, I think there's some value there on that um, because of the way that he's kind of turned this New York Knicks team around. And that frankly, the organization around. Totally agree with that. I had a, a very similar idea that I wanted to also throw at you okay. was and a similar situation too in the rookie of the year market where does LaMelo have a complete stranglehold on this? Or do you think that Anthony Edwards, who is a guy I think has been playing much better mm-hmm. and will continue to see an expanded role down the stretch of the season, get a lot of touches, um, you know, in, in Minnesota, I see him at 10 to one. Okay. Do you think that that's worth a try? I mean, Lamelo's also obviously been incredible and he's showing no signs of slowing down either. Yeah. The narrative kind of has been, if you, if you're, if you watch ESPN almost every single night is that they're showing the Lamelo ball highlights every single night. And, yep. and, and Anthony Edwards is not getting that, that love that Lamelo ball is. Um, I don't see it right now posted on my book here, but I mean, at a 10 to one ticket for Anthony Edwards, especially if, if they, if they sit down Carl Anthony Towns for the rest of the season, knowing that they're not going to make the playoffs or, or whenever they make that decision and Malik Beasley here serving that 12 game suspension and who knows, maybe they trade away Ricky Rubio to a team that needs a backup point guard on a contending team or, or wherever their plans are. But um, it is intriguing at 10 to one, but I, I just think that barring any injury that LaMelo ball does kind of have this wrapped up, but I think you would need an insane second half from Anthony Edwards to kind of get up into that conversation again. 
um, for rookie of the year because just because of the way LaMelo ball has been shooting the ball and putting up the stats that he has, I mean, he's doing it across all boards. It's not just points. He's getting the rebounds and he's getting the assists. So um, I think if there's two guys right now, I think LaMelo ball is overwhelming favorite, but uh, if you're getting value at a 10, 10 to one ticket on Anthony Edwards, yeah, it might be worth sprinkling a little bit on it. Okay. I, I agree. And uh, we also have LaMelo ball at minus 1200 in that rookie of the year market. So, you know, he yeah. definitely the number suggests. So we going for over an hour and 45 minutes, the longest episode in the history of the NBA gambling podcast, as far as I know. Um, but we are very, very happy to bring all of you guys' information and, um, Thank you, Munaf, for recording with me. We want to finish it off with on-the-record predictions uh, for the second half of the season. I feel like we haven't done that in the past. Is putting pen to paper your top four seeds in each conference, okay. your conference finalists, your championship winner, and your MVP. Munaf, I will let you go first. So I'll start here with the Eastern conference because it might just seem like it's the easier conference. So I think Brooklyn nets will end up with that one seed um, for the Eastern conference, just because of the firepower that they have on this team between Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden. Now they have Blake Griffin on this team. So I think they're going to leapfrog into that one seed. Um, the two seed, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid, I think, is now he's shifted towards being the most valuable player here uh, for the regular season. Uh, LeBron James is the second favorite, but um, Doc Rivers has been a significant coaching upgrade for this team. Um, and they're playing well, right? Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris is having a great season. So I think those, the, the Sixers will be the two seed. Um, the three seed, I'll go with the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not still, I'm still not sure in the playoffs that this team has enough to even beat the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I, I know they have great shooters around Middleton and Giannis with DiVincenzo and, and Brian Forbes and DJ Augustine and Drew Holiday, but I'm not sure that their style of play right now is going to translate into the playoffs where Giannis doesn't have a jump shot and it's kind of a guy that is, I think it's a guy that a opposing team's defense can build a real wall around like we've seen and, and make them pass the ball out and rely on some of their guys to make those jump shots. So I think the bucks will end up as a three seed where they are. The four seed, I'll go with the Miami Heat. Um, defending, you know, Eastern Conference champions, you know, they, they're they getting healthy. They have enough depth on this team. They have the good coach, uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I think that's a, that those are my four seeds uh, here in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Do we, do we want to go back and forth or do you want to just give out your whole – give out uh, – Give out, give out your whole your whole, your whole list, and then I'll go after. Okay, and then I I think it'll end up being the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the 76ers in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals there, and I I'm just too high on the. I mean, when you have three players like KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, I think they'll be in the finals. So I think that's the team that I have coming out of the Eastern Conference is going to be the Brooklyn Nets. So I think that that'll cover the Eastern Conference for me. 
Okay, yeah. You want me to go to the Western Conference, or you want to you want to go for the Eastern Conference? I'll go East, and then you, then 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 you'll go West, and we'll both go title. Okay. I had East. I think Milwaukee is going to come up and make a run and get this number one seed. Um, that that's kind of one of my bold predictions for the rest of the season. I think not wow. necessarily any disrespect to Philly or Brooklyn, and I've never been one to love this Milwaukee team, but you know, best point differential in the Eastern Conference. You know, they went through a lull there where they kind of struggled, but I do think that this team is starting to, you know, learn how to play together more. They incorporated another star in Drew Holiday. So I think they are very ripe to go on a run down the second half, only two games back. Um, and, and um, you know, it's just very, very gettable. So I think Milwaukee at the one, I had Brooklyn at the two and Miami and Philly at the three. Um, so similar think, you know, both those teams still think they're going to be good. I just do think Milwaukee has, you know, a 10 game winning streak or something in them. Mm-hmm. And then I also had Miami at four. Um, think they're going to, you know, eight, get back to 500 playing much better seven and three in their last 10 and, you know, a playoff proven team. I have Brooklyn beating Milwaukee um, in six games in the Eastern conference Finals. So I also have Brooklyn going to the finals. So we're in agreement there. How about the Western Conference for you? Yeah, I think the Western Conference is more intriguing. Um, yep. Just because of what's going on in those top four seeds. So quickly, um, I think the fourth seed, I, I think it'll end up being the Phoenix Suns. Um, they've been just really playing really well here in the first half of the season. When you have Chris Paul, Hall of Fame point guard, and you have a a a superstar in Devin Booker, and then the the the, the shooters that they have around this team. Um, they're playing well, they have the chemistry and they've been one of the hottest teams coming out of the bubble. Um, and that's translated into here in here, the first half of the season. So I'm going to go Phoenix at the four seed, uh, the three seed. I'm going to go with the Utah jazz here. I think they're going to come, uh, come down here a little bit. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. I think that their three point shooting has kind of what led to their success here in the first half of the season. Um, so, you know, there might be games here where, you know, they have a cold night of shooting, whether it's, you know, whoever the player might be, but I think that, um, that, that kind of will regress to the mean here for their, at least a three point shooting, uh, the one and two seed is almost like one a and one B for me, whether that's between the Lakers and the, the two LA teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, I think getting Anthony Davis back here in the second half of the season for the LA Lakers we're going to start seeing what the Lakers of the last season, right? Where they were so dominant when you had both LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis on this team. The question for this team is going to be, where they going to get out of uh shooter in the second half? Where are they going to get out of Montrez Harrell on the second half? Or even if he's going to be on the roster in the second half of the season. And I know that the Lakers are trying to acquire another player, whether that's another star or another role player, like a PJ Tucker to get on this team. So I think um, Lakers probably end up as a two seed. And I think I'm going to go with the Clippers as the number one seed. Um, these guys are playing with a chip on their shoulder because of what transpired last season in the bubble for them in the playoffs. Paul George has been all world here in the uh, first half of the season. He's playing well. Kawhi Leonard, uh, you're one of the best players in the league, uh, two-way star. Uh, and then the, 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 the depth that they have behind them with Batum and, and uh, Ibaka, I know this is another team that's in the market for another point guard. So whether if they end up with a guy like maybe Kyle Lowry on this team or another, you know, point guard that's in the market. So uh, I'll, I'll go with the Clippers there uh, in the first, uh, the one seed. And then conference finals, um, 
I'll go with the two LA teams. I mean, it kind of sounds squarish, but I think these two teams are above their class here in the Western Conference. And I think this will be the the year that the Clippers get into the NBA Finals, uh, beating the Lakers in, let's go, I think in seven games, they'll get the job done here. We'll see a full seven-game series in the Western Conference Finals, setting up a Clippers and a Brooklyn Nets NBA Finals, even though I do want to see a Lakers in a Brooklyn, but... I think this is a year for the Clippers uh, to kind of get over that hump and get to the finals. And who, who would you have winning that series? Uh, Got to go with the Brooklyn Nets, man. I mean, what, we've talked about this narrative of when you have these three world players like a Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. If Kawhi is guarding Kevin Durant, who's stopping Kyrie Irving or James Harden or vice versa the other way? Yeah, you have Paul George also, but then who's stopping the third guy? And now you added a guy like Blake Griffin on this team also. So um, the narrative of DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin going up against their former team against the Clippers, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I think, uh, I think there's just too much firepower and who knows that the Nets may still go out and get a guy like Andre Drummond on this team or a Hassan Whiteside to kind of, to kind of um, anchor that um, rim protection that they, they need. So and then they have the shooters on this team too, right? Joe Harris is another guy. TLC has been playing well for them also. So I, I think the Nets just have too much firepower for any team in the league right now. So I'll go Nets in five games to get it, the job done as, as, as the, as the champions this year. Wow. Okay. I mean, we, we definitely think alike. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what that says about uh, the uh, SGPN family, but so I, I, I agree with basically everything you said other than I don't expect Utah to fall down. Um, so I still have Utah at the one, but I did have Clippers at the two. I think they're going to make a little run and then Phoenix LA. I mean, three, four, I think, I think once we come down to it, you're going to see the Clippers and the, and the Lakers try to square each other up or not face each other in the second round. So I think, yeah. I think we're going to end up with the Lakers in the four spot Phoenix in the three allowing for a Utah Lakers second round matchup. So conference finals, Clippers over the Lakers in seven games, uh, you know, right there with you. And then I also, so I also had nets over Clippers in the finals. So, you know, we will be going down together or we will be celebrating <laughs> a, uh, a properly predicted finals together. So official predictions was both of us nets over Clippers in the finals. What about for MVP? You said Embiid uh, for regular season MVP. Yep. Yeah, I think Joel Embiid is just playing really well right now for uh, the Philadelphia 76ers here. So um, I know he was a slight underdog <clears throat> uh, to LeBron James going into the All-Star break, but coming here at the updated odds that he's right now the two-to-one favorite um, to win the MVP, and then LeBron is like right behind him at like round plus 240 to win the MVP. So. I got to go with, um, yeah, I've already put a ticket in on Joel Embiid also at plus money. So uh, Embiid, I think uh, one more interesting name might be Luka Dantic. If he just has a tremendous second half of the season, it kind of takes this uh, Maverick team to maybe get into a top five seed. Uh, he's sitting there right now at 12 to one. So I think if he gets this team to a top a top five seed in the West and he finishes the season averaging a triple-double, that means there may be some value on uh, Luca because he was the overwhelming favorite coming into the season here. I think it was around plus 40. So him being down to 12 to one, there may be some value there. Okay. So, and B for you, I will yep. go with Kawhi Leonard as the MVP. I think 
we both like this Clippers team to rise up the standings. If that's the story of the second half of the season, I think Kawhi, um, I'm holding 35 to one on him still available at 20 to one. So that could be a good uh, price for it. And then I think another name to just mention is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay. I mean, I think there might be some voter fatigue there because of how, how much he's been in the conversation in the last few years, but been playing really well. I mean, uh, and and now I think this Bucks team could take a step. Obviously he won the MVP of the all-star game last night. Um, but that's all on the record. Now you can, you, we, we can, we can never delete this audio. Um, <laughs> but um, moon up, where can the people find you on Twitter going forward? Twitter. Uh, you can find me at sports nerd eight, two, four posting plays on their total plays player props of the days. And uh, yeah, you can find me there on Twitter and also in our Slack channel. Yep. So Slack channel is sg.pn slash Slack. On Twitter, I'm at NBA Zach B. Again, it's sg.pn slash Slack. If you like this podcast, definitely subscribe and rate and review. Uh, that helps out uh, us. Um, and thank you all for bearing with us. You made this far two hours of NBA, um, and we are pumped up for the second half of the season. So thank you, everybody. Ba, 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 basketball.